Hi, I'm Sumbul, Mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Hello. This has felt like the longest week of my life. <laughs> is it still May? I think it's still May. I'm just like... <laughs> it's only like, middle of May, too. It's May 14th. Um, it's been a week. It's been a week. I've been very busy. I didn't even get... I haven't watched any TV this week. You didn't even watch our Mayor of East Town. Oh, I mean, I watched that Sunday night. Right. Yeah, that um, was the last thing I watched. Um, did you see the SNL skit about Mayor of East Town? Oh, no, there is one. Yeah, it was so funny. It's like talking about them trying to do that Philadelphia accent. <laughs> <laughs> and the show is called Murder Dirter or the Murder of My Dirter. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to watch it. That what was it this week? Yeah, it was on Saturday night. So funny. And then I listened to, um, I was listening to Terry Gross on NPR and she had Jean Smart who plays the mom on um, Mirror of Easttown. We love um, her. Oh my God. She's so good in the show. She's so good. And she was so funny on the show. But Terry Gross was like, have you seen the Saturday Night Live skit? And Jean Smart was like, oh my God, it was so funny. Kate, Kate sent it to me. They, guess, like hysterically were like texting back and forth about how funny it was <laughs> oh my god that's amazing that's so fun yeah I wonder how many people are watching it I don't know um it's oh my gosh yeah speaking of the texts that I've gotten the most the last few days is of the friends reunion is there did a- you- no did you not see the preview no it came out live yesterday like on Instagram and it's like the cast like walking and like the theme song really slow and like I can't tell you how many people have texted me how many people have shared that they're like how do you feel how do you feel and then there's one meme where it's like this like older woman watching it and she's just like crying you know that's gonna be you (laughs) it's gonna be me but anyway like like, that show was my life (laughs) like they they were my friends like I like May 6, 2004, like I commemorate it, you know, like when it ended, like I didn't go to school the next day. I, I just like <laughs> continue to be fascinated by your love of friends. And I just, it's like, I, I just, I, I don't know, really know what to say about it. I mean, I know I, I'm now looking back. I'm like, maybe that was really unhealthy. Like, why didn't I not go to school? Like my teacher's <laughs> My teachers were like, how are you doing? Like, literally, like, some of them still remember me not going to school. Like, people brought flowers to my house. Like, they were like, how are you doing? I feel like I need to see, like, visual representation of that. I actually actually taped myself watching the finale. (laughs) Like, it's basically me sobbing to my quilt and, like, saying to the camera like friends is ending what's gonna happen to me I'm sophomore the video is buried somewhere but I have it all on video and it's just me talking to my tv and just like watching the friends finale live I I feel like I need to see that um immediately almost immediately because that is something that is really something I can't believe I'm telling people this this is really embarrassing our seven listeners my mom your mom (laughs) right anyway well this week was big um it was Eid uh which is the end of Ramadan and so I did a lot of stuff around that um went to the Rinjav and there was they did a good socially distanced 
prayer. Um, it was beautiful weather. It was beautiful weather and um, it was nice. It was really nice. I think people appreciated seeing each other. And um, so that was my kind of big yesterday, like just having some Eid events. That's so fun. I saw all the pictures and I saw all the um, the meals that you were doing with um, the Prospect Street Mosque. And um, it's just so nice to see uh, people gathering together, <laughs> even masked inside, but like, it just feels a little bit more normal. Exactly. Yeah. And we had a meeting on Monday night, uh, which was really right, light, but uh, because we had budget hearings the, the whole next day. Um, and we did receive a COVID update from the manager of public health uh, for the past week, ending on Saturday, May 8th. There were, um, you know, 28 confirmed cases, which translates to a weekly average of four new cases a day, which is, you know, 3.4 per 100,000 residents, which is, this was the lowest weekly case count since early October before the surge. And so as of May 13th, um, yesterday, Cambridge is a low risk green level community for COVID-19 transmission, according to the state's uh, interactive data dashboard. And it was so crazy to think that there were 28 cases all of last week, right? When we used to have 28 cases a day. So yesterday we only had one case of COVID reported, which great job, everyone. Yes. <laughs> nice work. Um, it's so funny. Like, it's just crazy to me where you just see the, just one. Um, so that's incredible, everybody. Good job. And as far as vaccination data, we did find out that as of May 11th, 65% of Cambridge residents had received at least one dose of the vaccine and 46% of residents are fully vaccinated. According to the state's weekly COVID municipality vaccination report, people, that's almost 50% of our entire community um, that is fully vaccinated. It's Amazing. so wild. And then this week, um, which was a widely anticipated announcement, the FDA did um, issue an emergency youth authorization for the Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds. The um, advisory board met on uh, Wednesday night, which was the final steps, which meant that Thursday was like off to the races to, for all of our 12 to 15 year olds getting their vaccination. Um, I did take my daughter uh, Thursday morning at 8.55 and I was in there with I feel like every middle school mom or caregiver <laughs> <laughs> in the city uh, but the CHA location next to Somerville did an incredible job uh, by the time we woke up on Thursday morning there were um, you were able to make appointments and there were appointments all day long I know so many people that were able to get over there uh, and do that you know between Thursday and now and um uh, it's just, it was really just such a smooth operation. And it was so cute that, you know, when the kids came in, they were like, did you have breakfast? And it was so funny. Like, I just watched five, like moms be like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so they had graham crackers and juice for them. I guess um, a, a child right before we got there had passed out. So they were a little bit nervous. Um, so they got the kids, the, uh, the graham crackers and the juice, got them all ready for their vaccination. But um. CHA is also has locations, the, there's the one next to the Somerville Target. Um, there's also an Everett at the Encore Casino and then uh, on the Tufts uh, uh, campus in Medford. So you can go online and um, it's so, 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 so easy to make an appointment. They make the appointment right there. You're sitting there waiting um, your 15 minutes and they send you a text to make the second appointment. So way to go CHA uh, was really, really super, super easy. Um, yeah, so 
check that out moms, yeah, yeah. caregivers if you if you haven't gotten your 12 to 15 year old vaccinated make it that's happen great. that's great and we if you still need to be vaccinated or know anyone um, that does we have a moderna vaccine clinic happening tomorrow at 9 30 at the cambridge community center at five calendar street second dose will be held on june 12th um this clinic's a collaboration between the Cambridge Public Health Department, the Cambridge Health Alliance, City Manager's Office, my office, Cambridge Community Center, um, and my brother's keeper, uh, along with the family practice group uh, in uh, Arlington. So um, yeah, we hope people come, um, just spread the word, but hopefully we'll get some folks vaccinated who haven't been. Yeah, I mean, I think we had this conversation on Monday night at the city council meeting, just talking about this next phase of the vaccinations and how it's going to have to come. Like people were going to get vaccines. Now we're gonna have to bring the vaccines right to people. You know, the Cambridge Community Center is a trusted member of the community. They made it really, really fun last time with music and balloons. And, um, you know, they really reached deep into their membership to say, hey, you know, we're gonna have the offer the vaccine, come on over. This is really the next phase of the vaccinations is gonna have to be um, these trusted members, either the community centers, daycares, faith-based communities, being in the park, all of all of the places where the people are, we need to bring the vaccine to them. So thanks for hosting that. I, I look forward to seeing some of the fun pictures. I saw so many on Facebook last time where people were like, this is so fun, <laughs> music, <laughs> balloons, people. Um, the other thing is, you know, in terms of uh, speaking to that vaccine hesitancy, there's a couple of vaccine information sessions coming up. This uh, Wednesday, May 19th from 6 to 7, there's a vaccine webinar for Haitian Creole residents. It's going to be hosted on the Cambridge Public Library Zoom account. Panelists are all Haitian Creole speakers. Registration is required, but you can go on to the um, Cambridge Public Library uh, website, check that out. And then on Thursday, May 27th from 6 to 7, there's a webinar for Spanish-speaking residents, also hosted by the Cambridge Public Library, and all those panelists are Spanish speakers. So those vaccination sessions have been really um, critical in making sure that these questions get answered in um, our residents' home languages. And um, we he we've heard some really good stories about people at the end of these webinars who were very hesitant at the beginning, saying that they were going to go out and get a, a vaccine. They had their questions answered. So these are really important. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that they're happening. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. We have to, I, I love that we're almost at... 50% fully vaccinated. And I think I'm, you know, I'm, I, I look forward to that um, increasing. And I think having these types of sessions are, are helpful. Uh, we still do have city funded testing sites uh, that uh, continue to operate in multiple locations seven days a week. Um, from May 1st to 9th, there were about uh, 3,321 tests administered. Um, at these sites for an average of 369 sites tests a day. So the numbers have decreased, but um, we still wanna make sure that, that, that that's there for the community. Uh, and the big thing that was this week, we had a long day on Tuesday, budget hearing started. Um, it was a bit contentious as well. We heard from um, several department budgets um, that members had questions about. Um, and we will try to cover some of the most salient topics. 
Yeah, so for people who have joined us for previous iterations of this podcast about the budget, uh, what happens is every city department uh, puts forward a budget and then city councilors can pull different departments um, if they have questions about them. So there were a couple hot topics um, that that came up of departments that were up on Tuesday. We have another um, day of budgets next Tuesday where we have some other departments that will be coming forward. So there were a few line items in the budget that um, I was really excited about that would be providing funding for translation services. So there was $45,000 in the city manager's budget, $10,000 in the mayor's budget, $75,000 in the family policy council budget, and then another $130,000 in the school department budget, which is close to a quarter of a million dollars this fiscal year's being spent on translation services. Uh, I had some questions about how all these different departments were gonna work together to ensure you know, that the city manager's office wasn't doing something different than the mayor's office or using a different service uh, with different results. So things like that. I mean, I think the having these translation services and this kind of commitment from the city right now is so exciting. It's something um, I'm really excited about. Yeah. And it's been a huge priority for me and my office. And I think, you know, I'm the, I think the first mayor to request like funding actually for um, transition, I think we both know it's been an unfunded priority for a long time and it's been so critical to get transmitted translated materials uh, out during the public health crisis and uh, you know uh, I know Alana you'll say more on this um, on uh, the work that we've been doing on the family policy council which I chair um, you know we look forward to the recommendations coming uh, around the issues of language justice you know a lot of cities um, Seattle Boston have done a lot of work on this and so I'm just excited that like we are finally doing this I think at the Cambridge public schools, we've, you know, been able to caption things in different languages for multiple, you know, the, all the superintendents, interim superintendent, um, uh, you know, meetings, everything was captioned in multiple languages, like, we, you know, so we're making strides and um, I, I look forward to kind of a more holistic um, recommendations and like policies that tie everything together. Yeah, I'm, it's, um, it's a really exciting time. It's long overdue, I would say. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, we have been working on this issue uh, at the Family Policy Council level, which is chaired by you. I am a member It has many department heads, um, nonprofit uh, community members, residents and members of the business community that's led by Nancy Tauber over at the Department of Human Services. So we've been working on this language justice project uh, over the past year or so. We've been working on focus groups and surveys and interviewing other cities across the country and even right across the river thinking about what a language justice program would look like here. I think the stories that we've heard from across our community and from our own city staff are really eye-opening and sometimes heartbreaking and have shown us that we need to really move more quickly on this issue of making our departments and communications available in multiple languages. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, you know, Cambridge Youth Council members who are working with us on this on the Family Policy Council saying that they've always been the ones to translate the important stuff that comes home from school. Because starting in, you know, second or third grade, right? Like that's seven and eight year olds Mm -hmm. really having to translate things for their parents that the school is sending home only in English. So we have to do better than that for our kids. We are, you know, 
here in Cambridge, we're very proud of the number of languages that are spoken in our schools. And then we rely on multilingual parents and staff to do the translation work for free or it just doesn't happen. So um, seeing that commitment of that $250,000 in the um, in the city budget this year was like a really concrete way of, of saying we're gonna, we're really gonna, you know, start looking at this and it is going to be a line item, um, hopefully for all departments uh, once these recommendations come out from the Family Policy Council. Exactly. So one other fun thing um, before we get into some of the um, more uh, controversial stuff was in the budget this year, there was $700,000 for a new fire cadet program. So this is something that I've been championing with the city with the help of Councilor McGovern and you, Sumbul, um, that will help us increase the diversity within the fire department, as well as provide a great job pathway for our kids who may not have had access due to you know, some of the civil service rules. It'll be modeled after the police cadet program. And um, I had, you know, at the budget hearings, I had some questions about the diversity metrics and who's designing the program. Um, and what departments are helping the fire department with the snow program and on creating those metrics and those equity measures. So it really sounds like the diversity equity inclusion office and the human resources are already working together with this on fire. And I'm so excited to see um, the first class of this coming through. It sounds like the, a little bit of the holdup is there's a home rule petition, which is in front of the legislature that would allow um, the C city of Cambridge fire department to circumvent um, civil service for a fire cadet program. It has been delayed uh, for a long time for reasons. Um, and we do need that legislative approval before we can start recruiting, but um, it is likely gonna happen this year, this fiscal year, and that's why the $700,000 is in the budget. So I was really glad to see that on there and I'm, I'm looking forward to that going forward. Yeah, no, it's great that, um, you know, you've, first it was police cadet pushing that and now this, so I think, um, I think it'll just make our city longer and more diverse. So now we have to work on EMTs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> We've been talking about the EMTs. <laughs> uh, so we did have some tense moments in controversial department budget uh, budgets. One of them was the police department budget. The conversation was largely centered on a policy order that you and I both sponsored last summer with Councillor Simmons and Councillor Sabrina Wheeler asking the city manager and police commissioner to look into the feasibility of creating um, an unarmed co-response model. Uh, this, the program which we looked into, uh, we looked to a, uh, the one we looked to was cahoots that people know, um, which uh, dispatches um you know, not the police, but a mental health or other unarmed professional to intervene in areas of mental health um, and homelessness and other nonviolent calls that can be handled by someone who isn't wearing a police uniform or carrying a gun. So, um, you know, we've, as we've been having a local as well as national conversation about how for some in the community, public safety doesn't feel to them and, um, you know, can assist with this. So, um, you know, you can say more, but that, that, that I had to miss some of the conversation due to it. <laughs> all multiple calls I get all day, but, um, you know, it was, a. I think from what you've, what I heard later, it was pretty intense. Yeah. So I, and the conversation was really around responding to that policy order that we put in last summer, the city manager put together a task force to address that policy order and how to move forward. And although we put it in last summer, the task force just began meeting in February of this year. Uh, it's, so it's co-chaired by councilors McGovern and Simmons and the recommendations are coming soon, 
but there was nothing actually in the budget. So there was a lot of um, tense moments. Um, there was a lot of expectations, I think, that didn't get met. Um, I think there was an expectation that there was going to be something in the budget and really concrete um, and that the police budget itself would have been decreased, uh, you know, commensurately. So um, I am actually feeling optimistic. We had a lot of conversations or there was a lot of talk about when the task force was going to be coming forward with the broad strokes of a plan and recommendation. I think the, um, that should be coming forward shortly. And then the idea would be then to have conversations with the community about those recommendations and see how to move it forward. I, you know, I think even the night that we had the policy order on the agenda, um, I really said, you know, this was something that needs to be um, really discussed with the community and, and, and created with a lot of, a lot of stakeholders at the table. You know, the, the task force, you know, has met every week and there's, I think, 19 or 20 people on it, but, you know, that isn't necessarily representative of our, of our whole community. So having that conversation out in the community, once we have those recommendations is going to be really important. Yeah, and I think, you know, we did hear that the police budget is higher um, this year, um, but it was mostly due to COLA and, and healthcare increases. And the city manager did say that if there are any budget recommendations, it can be out, uh, it can be paid out from free cash, which happens all the time. Like all for time. <laughs> things that aren't in the, in that budget, in that budget itself. Yeah. So, but it feels a little amorphous. I think that was where I was feeling some sensing, some tension where, you yeah. know, written in the budget, um, it does feel like a document that um, people can't, you know, there, there's a commitment there. And so it, this amorphous, like someday it'll be in free cash. I think for a lot of people, it felt like a year later, we maybe aren't much closer to, to where we, where we need to be. But again, mm -hmm. I think those, the task force has been meeting um, since February. So it was a very short time frame, and I'm, I'm hoping to see some recommendations soon. Um, another controversial budget discussion was the uh, IT department budget. So just as a little background, we've been having a citywide conversation about municipal broadband after there was a broadband task force on the Met in 2015, and they put forward recommendations in that year. Um, the there was a consultant that was brought on uh, to work with the task force who put together a report and they, this consultant um, put in a price tag of municipal broadband um, at $187 million uh, to, to have our own city run municipal broadband program. At that time, there was a little bit of a sticker shock, I think for everybody. But the task force wrote a really strong letter that said they said they didn't agree with the Tilson report and that number in, in particular, and that the city should embark on a true feasibility study to look at the different ways we could think about deploying municipal broadband and how much that would cost. We could have an actual conversation about cost instead of like, it will cost $87 million period, rather than I think what, what everybody has been saying all along is one of the recommendations from the task force was to do a true feasibility study on what are some different options. Um, you know, it's maybe it's not citywide, maybe we focus here. Um, there was a, a strong desire for the city manager to put forward a, a request for proposals um, to really do this feasibility study since 2015. So here we are, 2021. And that was, you know, six years ago, and it's it's been a long um, 
long journey, I'd say, uh, <laughs> saga. And so the city manager wouldn't issue an RFP to do the feasibility study even after a petition was signed um, by over 1,200 residents in 2019, uh, even after countless policy orders, um, you know, asked uh, asked to do that and they're voted on um, by the entire council. Um, and last year, uh, you know, the C after, um, you know, majority of the council voted no on the IT budget, um, the city manager said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do the RFP. Um, but the year later, the, the RFP went out, uh, but it, there's a number of issues that were highlighted at the budget hearing, um, you know, and I think there was another, some members who wanted to vote down the budget, but the question what at this juncture, like to what end? So what we ended up doing was we ended up moving the budget forward with the no recommendation, uh, with no recommendation. You either can do um, a positive recommendation, um, a negative you know, recommendation or just no recommendation. So it'll go to the fully, full city council for a vote to give the city manager a chance to look at the RFP and see if any addendums can be made that would satisfy the body at the time of the final budget vote. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think broadband, <laughs> especially over the last 15 months has been like thrust into the forefront as we yes. started working from home, kids started doing school from home. Um, it really highlighted the level of digital inequity in the, in the city and the actual need for us to have um, this feasibility study done to really start to addressing, start to, to address the you know municipal broadband issue and at the same time making sure that digital equity is at the forefront of that conversation um you know we really we have one provider provider it's comcast and you know somebody said it at the meeting i don't remember who it was but literally comcast went down on saturday in the large part of you know yes. cambridge and wellington harrington for a long time and it's like they just have a monopoly here. And so we really need to think about um, how we're going to be addressing this moving forward. You know, it's it's actually an interesting time right now for broadband because it seems like everybody's talking about it, you know, from the president of the United States all the way down. Um, and, you know, we, we're even seeing, um, I think Councilor McGovern said it the other, the other day at the meetings, um, you know, Salem did an RFP a year ago right. to start putting fiber in the ground. They're, they're, they're shovel ready right now. So it's like Cambridge, Massachusetts, six years. Let's, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, we've, you and I have had so many conversations with Comcast. We've seen like, mm -hmm. you know, yes, the city has been funding, you know, have said we'll fund, you know, we, I think allocated last year, $50,000 to get people to sign up for Comcast. I mean, the reality is, is it's not working. <laughs> um, and I think um, we do need, we need, you know, we need, we need a broader solution. Um, and it's not, you know, I think the, the fact that Comcast did go down, we, we, I mean, we didn't get too many emails. I, we de I definitely got a few calls. <laughs> My mom and dad were like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> you know, when internet going to come back and, you know, it, it comes back to just, I think it, it's a, an issue that we punted for so many years. Um, well, I have to say, I so I was in Elmendorf, you know, <laughs> buying my like Saturday sandwich and cookie, and you know their internet goes down. They can't make any sales. I watched like right. four people walk out. 
you know, this isn't the time where small businesses can afford to lose like a, a Saturday sales, right? So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. So, you know, those are some contentious parts. Um, there was, there was just, uh, there was some, there was a good amount of yelling. There was um, <laughs> a lot of bad behavior, I'd say. And the, you know, Carlone, concert Carlone, he, he kept order, but you know, it was hard. Um, but I really hope that, uh, but he had a, you know, it was still difficult. <laughs> so I think, I hope that we both hope that we don't have a repeat, um, this Thursday when we meet, uh, again to discuss departments. Oh, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday. What's time? What's time? We also have the school department to discuss the school department budget next week as well. So we've got a couple Boy. of, we will have some things to report there. Um, let's talk about some fun stuff. I'm yeah. absurdly excited about this, but curbside composting collection resumes May 17th, which means Monday. Monday. City, Monday. The city is resuming regular curbside co uh, collection of compost, those green bins, Curbside compost is available to all residential buildings within the city trash collection. It's on the same day as trash and recycling collection. So I know everybody's been putting their food scraps in diligently over the course of the pandemic, but um, now we are, we're actually starting to separate them again. And um, there's a couple places across the city, and I don't have it up on my computer right now, I'm sorry, where you can go and pick up new bags. Uh, I know everybody probably ran out of bags over the course of the last 15 months, but I think Danahy was one. Anyways, you can go, you can um, look in Cambridge GPW's Twitter and they are, they're really trying to get rid of these bags. Um, they oh, want yeah, it's Danahy, the new, um, well, I, the, so, I, today's the 14th so today's actually the last day you could have picked up oh it's man on the website and well you have until well no it was between 10 to 4 oh it's and over <laughs> if you need bags you can let us know we'll try to get, we'll get them to you we definitely will yeah uh, there's also the new sidewalk poetry coming so during sidewalk repairs on 2nd and 3rd streets beginning around May 20. Fourth, depending on construction schedules, new poems by Cambridge residents will be printed into the walkways as part of the city's sidewalk poetry program. Um, the poems um, to be imprinted in the wet cement were selected via an annual contest overseen by Cambridge Arts, uh, Department of Public Works, and the Cambridge uh, Public Library. Well, something that everybody is very, very excited about is that the Department of Human Services is starting to offer um, summer programming to junior kindergartners to eighth grade at five community school summer camps, four Cambridge youth uh, programs and preteen middle summer programs and a combination programming offered in partnership by the Cambridge Public Schools and DHSP at four school locations. Also, um, Cambridge youth programs will run three teen internships through the Mayor Summer Youth Employment Program. So if you want to register for community schools, summer camps, and the preteen middle school programs, they will be open through May 31st. And for more information and links to registration, you can visit uh, cambridgema.gov slash DHSP summer. So that's very exciting for many, many parents and caregivers um, that there's going to be some summer programming, it sounds like, um, in a bunch of different places across the city. Yes, yes. Uh, another event happening Tuesday at six um, is as part of celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander month 
We're featuring Charles Yu in conversation um, with Professor Kim. Uh, Charles Yu is the author of four books, including Interior Chinatown, winner of the 2020 National Book Award. Um, and then Professor Kim is the professor of English at Harvard University. Her research and teaching interests include Asian American literature and performance, modern and contemporary American theater and drama, and cross-racial and intercultural performances. Um, this is an event in partnership with the Cambridge Public Library, my office, the city manager's office. So definitely go to the Cambridge Public Library uh, event and check it out. The CPL events on Zoom have been really well attended. You know, you just think about events happening now and like one of the library events, they have like 300 people on there. What out of town? Yes, 300, like. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, oh, it was the, the author of Heavy and I'm blanking. Um, do you know? Um, Heavy, uh, I'm just gonna like quickly Google it. Um, uh, it was a, it's a memoir. Oh, it's by Kiese Lemon. Lemon, yeah. So I need to read it. You um, have it? I No, I just, it's so funny. I just like got up to go look at this other book because there's been like a whole bunch of buzz about it, but it's a teen book called um, Grown by Tiffany Jackson. Oh, I've heard about it. Yeah, okay. Can I just shout out the Porter Square books mm -hmm. right now because you know that they've been like my total champion and hero yeah. over this pandemic they just continue to do stuff um they donated 75 copies of this book by tiffany jackson called grown um to the crls to uh, the 10th grade the sophomores and they also paid to have uh tiffany jackson like do i think three zoom seminars with crls students like to do a book reading and, you know, they could ask her questions, like where's my books? Just like donating all, all this stuff. They don't even, they don't even advertise it. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that happened. I opened the, the book, my son brought it home and it says this book is a gift from the Porter Square Books Foundation. Like crazy. Wow. That's a nice job. Thank you, Porter Square Books Thank for being you. such an amazing community member. And for all of our listeners, if you are, out and about this weekend, um, definitely stop by Porter Square Books and show them some love because they have definitely shown our community some love over this the That's course of the pandemic. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, so we also have a, a, a 35 Cherry Street community meeting on May 19th at 6 p.m. It's a virtual community meeting to discuss the future of 30, the 35 Cherry Street site, which the city council identified for affordable housing. You can go and learn about different affordable housing options and help establish priorities to guide the development process. Definitely check that out, especially if you live in and around the area in the port. Yeah, that's been a long thing that uh, <laughs> we've been waiting to get on the books. So I'm glad it's happening. Um, finally, uh, there's Mapping Feminist Cambridge. The Cambridge Commission on the Status of Women has launched the second tour in the Mapping Feminist Cambridge series three virtual events on May 20th, June 30th, June 3rd, and July 15th will highlight Central Square's vibrant feminist history from the 1970s to 1990s. Each event in the virtual series will highlight a few organizations featured in the Central Square tour, followed by a panel of activists and organizers connected to the organization. So you can learn more on the cambridgewomens.org uh, uh, website on, on this and Definitely join. 
I want to go, but I want to go in person. Oh, I know. Like, I'm so ready to just go places in person. I know. I want to just take my mask off. I know. Be outside. Run free freely. I know. I know. I'm ready. I'm ready, people. I'm ready. Well, we hope everyone has a great, delightful, sunny weekend. Yes, supposed to be like 75 and sunny all weekend. So get out there, get that fresh air, that vitamin D. Get it, get it. See some friends, ride a bike. If you um, if you have questions for us, please tweet at us. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. I'm at Mayor Siddiqui, I think. I don't even know my Twitter sometimes. I'm like, what, are, what am I? Definitely your Twitter. Yes. um but yeah have a great week thanks for joining us we'll uh bring the all the news of the city council meeting on monday night and of the budget hearings and so we will see you next week see you soon Bye. bye